You are listening to Seattle Growth Podcast, available free on iTunes. Key Arena was a phenomenal facility in the 90s uh, because it was sold out every game. You know, we won a lot of games. It was the loudest place in, in, the, in the NBA. It's, it was a great place to play, and it was not that difficult to get to. That's the voice of three-time NBA All-Star Detlef Schrempf, who you will hear more from in today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. I am Jeff Schulman, and today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast looks at how an NBA-ready arena for a return of the Supersonics would affect your commute, whether you are attending the games or simply commuting home after work. In addition to Detlef Schrempf's perspective, you will hear from the director of Seattle's Department of Transportation, Scott Kubley, and also from Martin Duke, who is the editor of Seattle Transit Blog. Today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast carries greater importance than ever before as Chris Hansen's investment group submitted a proposal to privately finance an arena in Seattle's Soto neighborhood. Pete Nordstrom and Wally Walker described the group's purpose and plan in episode two of Seattle Growth Podcast. I just want to go to some games. It would be such a cathartic event. There's so many diehard Sonic fans that it would just be such a, a, a great experience for our city. But Mayor Murray quickly put out a statement that the city will continue the RFP process to evaluate Key Arena as an option to bring the Sonics back to Seattle. And Twitter was a buzz. Tyler Pearson wrote on Twitter, You're wasting time that we don't have. The Soto site is a no-brainer. Approve street vacation. Connor Adams also tweeted, Ed, hundreds of cities would give anything for a privately funded arena. You're blowing it. Despicable. Alan Bassock tweeted, Soto privately funded and near light rail in Stadium District. Key, not next to public transit. Soto, obvious. And though there is public enthusiasm for the Soto Arena proposal, port advocates oppose it. In the previous episode of Seattle Growth Podcast, you heard from Port Commissioner John Creighton. It has been interesting because I am a big sports fan. Sportscasters on local radio who I love to listen to are demonizing me for the position I'm taking. And, you know, that's fair enough. But I do think um, we want to work with the region to make sure that, you know, we can have things like bring the Sonics back to town while maintaining a competitive port. You also heard from Manufacturing Industrial Council Executive Director Dave Gehring. Cultural value of all this, the excitement, would that be any different to people? if the Sonics were located in Bellevue. Is, is there a reason absolutely everything has to go into Seattle? And it's having a very hard time accommodating the existing traffic levels in every neighborhood. And so is it always an answer in Seattle, well, we're just going to pour more activity into here? I don't know. I think that might be an unrealistic expectation. And so as we transition to today's episode, University of Washington professor Jen Hoffman describes one lens through which to evaluate proposed arenas. We need to think about what's going to be the impact on our transportation system. Do we have the infrastructure? Um, depending on where the stadium gets uh, or the arena gets located, are we going to be able to get people to those games and to those events held in that arena? Are we going to be able to get them there? Are we going to be able to create a good experience for them when they're trying to park or trying to locate the stadium entrances? And then thinking also, too, about the surrounding community. Do we have the infrastructure to support the transportation or the necessary infrastructure for other businesses that aren't going to be um, particularly interested in, in what's going on in the stadium, but they need to still be able to function in that neighborhood. In this episode of Seattle Growth Podcast, we will take a closer look at the transportation network serving the two locations under consideration. First, I sat down with Detlef Schrempf to get the perspective of a three-time NBA All-Star who played his home games in Seattle's Key Arena 
and now currently has an office in nearby Lake Union. I am here at Coldstream Wealth Management's office here in Lake Union with Detlef Schrempf. Uh, he is a three-time NBA All-Star and two-time Sixth Man of the Year. Uh, Detlef, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Uh, why don't we start first, what was it like to play in the NBA Finals here in Seattle? Oh boy, seems like yesterday, but it's been a while. Um, it, was a, it was a great time, I think, not just for uh, the players, but also for the city because... Uh, you know, Sonics were pretty good back then during that stretch and uh, won a lot of games. And, uh, you know, we got to the finals. And um, even though we didn't win, we ended up making it fairly interesting. But, uh, you know, we had great support during that stretch in Seattle. And what was your favorite moment playing in Key Arena? Oh, there too many big wins and, you know, and some big losses where, you know, we, we lost playoffs and, you know, it was very disappointing. But um, to me, it's just the atmosphere there was phenomenal. Uh, the same people that went to many, many games and many of friends, uh, you you know saw the crowd, the same crowd every night. Uh, it was a great, great place to play. What are your thoughts on a potential return of the Supersonics uh, to Seattle? Well, I hope, I hope it happens very soon because I don't. I, I, I want to be able to go to games, take buddies out, and and do those things. Uh, you know, while while I'm still physically. Uh, able to enjoy it and, and relate to it and not go, oh, it's going to be a burden to get down there and get to a game. And if Key Arena happens again, it's going to be a trouble, uh, troublesome uh, idea because uh, getting through Mercer Street has become a pain. Any thoughts on potential arena locations as someone who's played in Key Arena? Well, Mercer, you know, okay, let me take it back. Key Arena was a phenomenal facility in the 90s uh, because it was sold out every game. You know, we won a lot of games. It was the loudest place in, in, the, in the NBA. It's, it was a great place to play, and it was not that difficult to get to. Uh, now, CL Center is almost impossible to get to, um, you know, if you're coming anywhere off I-5 freeway because Mercer Street is just a mess. Uh, so I don't know how you're going to push 20,000 people that way. Uh, I, I don't know from a traffic standpoint how that uh, can actually happen. Um, you know, you could argue the same thing with uh, maybe a Mariners game and a Seahawks game going on on over a weekend down in, uh, in the Soho, and then you have a basketball game. Uh, but I don't know what a, where a perfect site is, but to me that probably makes more sense uh, than coming you know, through the whole city. Um, but you know, I just want it to happen, so... Uh, Anywhere's good. Detlef, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate uh, your time and, and hearing your perspective. Thank you. Thank you. To get a better understanding of the transit serving each location, join me as I sit down with Seattle Transit blog editor Martin Duke. I am here at the University Transit Station with an expert on transit here in Seattle, uh, the editor of the Seattle Transit blog, Martin Duke. Martin, thank you for joining me yet again on Seattle Growth Podcast. Thanks for having me. So we're talking about uh, the construction of an arena and potential return of the Sonics or even the NHL. Broadly speaking, how does transit fit into this conversation? Well, sporting events are a particularly good market for, for transit to support um, because you have a lot of people coming and going at the same time. And really, most places, most cities have trouble serving a large arena or stadium without significant transit service to move people in and out. And now you've dedicated countless hours uh, studying and writing about transit and not just existing transit, but the desired transit. Uh, let's talk about um, existing and, and maybe desired transit as it relates to the two locations under consideration here in Seattle. Um, what is there to like 
about the transit serving the Soto Arena site. So Soto is within walking distance of Pioneer Square, which is really the hub of transit in western Washington. You have Amtrak, ferries, light rail, sounder, buses, and freeways all converging. Um, so in that sense, it's a good location. Uh, the bad news is that the actual site is not actually all that close to all of those things. Um, people are willing to walk a pretty long way from a sporting event to transit, but it does stretch a bit to say it's I think it's about a half mile from the nearest link stations and then uh, the stuff up in Pioneer Square is even further away. And, and do you have any studies as to how far people are willing to walk from a transit stop? Well studies show that a quarter mile is really a sweet spot where it's very easy to use transit and people will do it all the time and a half mile is pretty much the limit of the walk shed under nor normal circumstances. Uh, for transit there I don't I'm not aware of any studies that address this issue specifically for for sporting events, but you, you would expect to add a little bit onto that for a special occasion, like, like a special event, like a game. And now, have you been to the transit locations that would serve the Soto Arena? And can you describe a little bit about what the walk would, that half mile would be like? Well, coming from Soto Station or Stadium Station, uh, so Soto Station is at Lander Street and Stadium Station is at Royal Brougham. Their exit, they have one exit to each of those stations and they're both on those streets. And Holgate, which is where I believe the arena would be, is exactly in between those. So that's something a quarter mile just north-south. Furthermore, it's over by First Avenue, whereas the link stations are on Fifth. So you're walking out of the station in the wrong direction, crossing Fourth Avenue, which is pretty busy, crossing some train tracks, the Amtrak and Sounder train tracks, and then you access the station. So there's a lot that the city or or the arena builder would have to do to improve the walking experience to make it pleasant for people. And what specifically would you like to see uh, regarding transit if the, if the Soto location is where they choose to put the arena? I think the main thing, again, would be improving pedestrian and possibly bike infrastructure, um, having better crossings of these major arterials and rail lines, uh, creating new exits to the stations so that people can exit on the right side, which saves five or 10 minutes of walking, um, punching through these big industrial blocks when needed, uh, just really anything we can do to make it feel safe and inviting for people to walk. What is to like about the transit serving the Key Arena location? Well, the best thing about it is that in the long run, I'm saying in the mid-2030s, we're going to open a light rail station very, very close to Key Arena within a couple of blocks. And in fact, there will be another one on the other side, maybe two or three blocks away. So there's going to be lots of opportunity for people to access good, great separated transit to rapidly get in and out of the arena in high volumes. Before that, um, it's going to be a little more difficult. There is good service there, but it is often stuck in traffic. And after a game, you'll usually see traffic. And so if you could grade both the Soto Arena and the Key Arena, what grades would you give them as it relates to transit? Well, that's tough. I would say that post-2035, I, I would give Key Arena an A. Um, before that, it's probably a C. I did mention before the monorail, uh, which is another option that is not well integrated with our our current fare structure, but does provide a way for people to get out of Seattle Center more quickly in the face of traffic. The um, Soto, I'd probably give about a B, just because it is close to all this infrastructure, but but the additional walk is is a bit of a pain. It will discourage people from using it. Now let's talk winners and losers. Uh, lots of people are asking, maybe not basketball fans, uh, how will this affect me? A and so you've got people on their daily commutes and you've got basketball fans. I want you to consider all of them as you say, who wins and who loses? So who's, who are the winners with a key arena location? Well, in terms of people trying to go to the games, uh, I would say 
uh, certainly people of the future, people that maybe 15 or 20 years from now are trying to get at the game, I think are definitely winners, more, more or less across the board. People trying to commute out of the, the key arena area, the Seattle Center area, um, that's already a really bad car environment. I think it'll get worse when people are coming into games. Businesses around the station, of course, uh, will, will benefit from foot traffic. Well, I think in the short term, people with that are taking buses from places like Ballard or other parts of North North Seattle will be better off with a key arena commute because it does at least connect to the to the rapid ride lines that come from Aurora Avenue and and uh, down 15th from Ballard. So those people will find it much more convenient to access key arena even before light rail is built. Any other losers for the key arena location? Well, I think people that access the arena by ferry, uh, in particular, are, are going to have a slightly more complicated commute. Um, also, it's not clear how much special Sandra service would serve the arena, but if there was any Sandra service, there'd be an added connection for those people. And now let's talk the Soto Arena. Who are the big winners there, if that's the place that's chosen? Well, I, I think it's really mainly the inverse of, of the, the key arena situation. I mean, people with ferries in Sandra probably would prefer the, the Soto locale. People... Uh, south of south of Seattle would probably do so. It's not clear really for the east side. Certainly at the initially before light rail gets to Seattle Center, I think people from the east side would prefer Soto. But in the long run, Key Arena would be better for them. Any other winners with the Soto Arena side? No, it, it's tough to say. Really, once once Link is built, the 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 differences are not large. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're closer on one side of the city to the other, you're just physically closer, and that benefits you. But um, I'd say broadly speaking, for after 2035, the, the pedestrian advantages in the lower Queen Anne area are, are much better than the situation in Soto. But Soto is ready now, and lower Queen Anne won't be ready until 2035. Any concluding thoughts on a potential return of the Sonics and how it would affect people's commute? Well, full disclosure, I'm a pretty big pro basketball fan and would probably attend five to 10 games a year uh, if they were to turn, even if they were a bad team. Um, I, I think the city's infrastructure is pretty well set to handle either of these cases, with the specific exception of pedestrian stuff in Soto. So th these are both decent locations. Uh, you could do a lot worse arena-wise. Certainly the old Tukwila concept was atrocious from a transit perspective. Which location would you vote for and why? I would personally prefer Key Arena. I'm a bit of a long-term thinker on these kinds of issues, and I would suck it up. Uh, for some amount of time before light rail opened. All right, Martin, thank you very much for joining me today. I uh, really appreciate hearing your perspective. Thank you. Sure. To better understand how the city thinks about transportation in and out of the two locations under consideration, join me as I sit down with the director of Seattle's Department of Transportation. I am here at the Seattle Municipal Tower with the director of the Seattle Department of Transportation, Scott Kubley. Scott, thanks for joining me yet again on Seattle Growth Podcast. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, so why don't you remind us again, uh, what elements of the transportation network that people may, may engage with here in Seattle are under your purview? Under SDOT's purview are all the streets, uh, except for a few uh, state roads. So uh, parking regulation and rate making. Uh, parking enforcement falls under the police department. We own and contract operate the streetcar through King County Metro. So we own it. King County Metro operates it. We have the traffic signal system, so we manage all of the traffic signals. And then also we permit the use of the right-of-way for commercial uses like food trucks or parklets or streeteries, you know, where we have you know, temporary 
sidewalk cafes, uh, but we also permit the use of the right-of-way for private construction. And then if there's a major event happening, Seahawks game, Mariners game, or potentially a future Supersonics game, uh, who, who handles the process and, and what's the process for mitigating the traffic? Well, we, we, the city has a special events committee that really manages events like that. And it's a, it's a multidisciplinary team. We would manage the you know, macro transportation system, making sure that our signal timings are set up to support that event. And then the police are on the ground uh, with traffic control officers directing traffic on site. As you look at your ability uh, or a location's ability to handle major events, how do you evaluate how well the transportation network is suited to handle it? I think first what we want is to make sure that it's got good transit access. And we we want that not just for arenas or uh, event spaces, but we want it for pretty much any type of development. We want to make sure that it's focused where we have really good transit access. We want to make sure that it, that transit access is to the bus system, but also to the regional light rail system. Uh, we want to make sure that there's good access to the regional highway system because not everybody is going to take the bus or light rail to a station or to a stadium, rather, or an arena. We want to make sure that it's walkable and bikeable so that people can choose to get there uh, by non-motorized means. So if they're, you know, they can walk from their office or their house to get to a game. And so we want to make sure. And then we also want to make sure that there's supporting land uses around that uh, event space. So you want to make sure that there's office and housing and uh, retail and, uh, you know, uh, restaurants and things like that so that it creates a more active place. And so how does that more active place, how does that relate to the transportation network? The more active the place that you have, the more you're able to spread out people's arrival and departures, right? So if you can imagine a stadium or an arena that's in a very suburban context and it's surrounded by a sea of parking, right? You're going to have some people that go there to tailgate, right? For sure. But most people are going to arrive for the game and leave right after the game. Whereas when you have a stadium or arena in a more urban setting with those adjacent land uses, you're more likely to get people going out to dinner ahead of the game, staying out for a drink or dinner after the game, and thereby spreading the peak demand on the system and making it a little bit easier to accommodate the crowds. And now moving more specifically to a potential return of the Sonics in particular, uh, there's a couple locations that are being considered at the moment. There's the Soto Arena location, and then there's the Key Arena location. Um, I want to talk about each of those, but first let's talk uh, the Soto. Are, are, what are the strengths of the transportation network serving that site? Before we get started, I just want to, I'm going to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of both, but you know, I don't want to necessarily draw comparisons between the two because they, they both have strengths and weaknesses, and there's a whole lot of other reasons for uh, one arena site over another. So just from a transportation standpoint, I think what makes the Soto Arena site, or what, what its strengths are, is I think it's got good access to the regional highway system, and it's got uh, decent access to the regional transit system in Link light rail and sounder. It's close to ferry, the ferry system, so that offers another point of connectivity to the regional highway system. And then there's a fair amount of available parking uh, within you know, a, a reasonable walk shed, so a half mile walk of the station. I think uh, some of the weaknesses would be that you know, it doesn't have a really great local transit system serving it. So 
uh, if you're arriving by link, you have a short, albeit not terribly pleasant walk, uh, you know, late at night in the rain. Uh, but you have reasonably good access to link. What you don't have is really good local bus access. Uh, I think it conflicts with some adjacent land uses. Uh, I think the industrial community down in Soto has, has made the case uh, successfully to date that arena conflicts with, uh, or that arena site conflicts with their existing uses of the site. I think that the, the walking environment, so it's close to two transit stations. It's probably half a mile or so walk to either the stadium station or the Soto station down at Lander. But to get to those uh, stations, you're crossing active railroad yards, either at Holgate or the mainline tracks down at Lander. And it's, uh, you know, the, the environment you're walking through is not a lively pedestrian environment. And so it's like, I think, could create the perceptions of safety. You know, if you're leaving a game at 11 o'clock at night or 1030 at night, is that the environment that you're going to want to walk half a mile through? And so I think I think there's I think there's strengths, and but I also think that there's some some barrier or some hurdles or some some areas where it would need to be improved. And then going back to the strength of parking, are those city-owned parking spots or or are there private lots nearby? Well, I think there are private lots nearby. We have on-street parking down in that area, but I think the bulk of the parking would be off-street privately owned parking. Going to the Key Arena location, what are the strengths? And I guess uh, if you want to also talk about the weaknesses as well. Sure. So I think that it's almost the inverse, right? Which is that you have a very strong local transit network through the Rapid Ride uh, D-Line, which comes in from Ballard, and the Rapid Rapid Ride E-Line, which comes down Aurora, and then all of the other bus services coming through Belltown and Upper, or Lower Queen Anne, rather. I think so it's a really strong uh, local transit network. Uh, I think that that Westlake, huh, when when there's this uh, perception that the Soto Arena has better light rail access, uh, and I think that uh, it has it's closer, but that walk that you have from Westlake to Key Arena is now and will become ever more so. A pleasant walk to make. You're walking through, you know, dense commercial and residential neighborhoods that are going to offer a lot of, you know, place to eat and drink as you're walking through. So I think, you know, on those they kind of balance out. Uh, and then in uh, I believe 2023, uh, Eastlink opens up, and that connects the uh, Westlake Transit Hub, right, to the east side. And when the Sonics were in town, my understanding, because I wasn't here in Seattle at the time, uh, was that the majority of the fan base coming into the Sonics games was coming from East King County. And so that East Link connection to Westlake, I think, is something really new uh, that will be in place in 2023. So not when an arena would open necessarily, but shortly thereafter. Uh, versus for the East Link, you know, for folks coming from East King, uh, to a Soto Arena, you would have to uh, take the East Link and then come into the ID station, transfer, and then go back to either the Stadium Station or the Soto Station. So, you know, kind of uh, reasonably good connections and improving connections to the regional uh, rail system. And then, you know, interestingly enough, and I, you know, I hesitate to use this in Seattle because I understand it's a little bit of a lightning rod, but when 
that East Link opens up, you basically can make a transfer right over the monorail and you have, you know, a five minute trip, you know, in a train uh, over to Seattle Center. So, you know, I don't think that's going to be, you know, the silver bullet that makes transportation into and out of Key Arena easy. But uh, I think it's it's another underappreciated asset that changes as, as East Link opens up. I think uh, you have good access into the regional highway system uh, with uh, the completion of Mercer. Uh, and we're putting in adaptive signal control, which essentially is a modern, it's a signal system that adapts to the type of traffic that is present. And it's most effective at improving reliability in the shoulders of the peak and in the off peak. And so that's exactly when uh, it would be beneficial to arena traffic. So that's not to say that there would be no traffic because there would be traffic when you when you add in a an arena, but uh, there's already a lot of events that are going on there. And, you know, as the signal system gets modernized, it'll operate a little bit better. Uh, I think that you have, uh, even with, the, there's been a loss of parking immediately adjacent to the arena, but you have had an increase in the availability of off-street parking in the uh, South Lake Union area as it's developed. And so it's a slightly further walk, but you know, there's still parking available. I think the support, the land uses around Key Arena are very supportive to kind of a, uh, uh, helping create opportunities for people to, you know, uh, have activities before or after the, the, uh, the game. I think some of the weaknesses are, as of right now, the, uh, light rail won't arrive to Key Arena until I believe in the neighborhood of 2035, right? So about 19 years from now. And so I think that once that once that light rail is there, you know, it's going to be an amazing site, right? Uh, you probably couldn't ask for a better site. But until it's there, you know, there's there's a lack of of really proximate light rail access. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, Mercer is in a very fast growing, uh, that Mercer corridor that connects people to and from the uh, uh, regional highway system, that's in the middle of the fastest growing part of downtown. And so how that background employment growth affected game day travel, I think, is also uh, something that we need to think about. And how is the Mercer Corridor doing right now? And I mean, I'm, I'm not going to try to tell people that it's working, you know, as well as anybody would like it to work, uh, you know, because I think it's plugging into a regional highway system that also has a fair amount of congestion. So even if you get Mercer working perfectly, it still empties onto I-5 in the afternoon. And then so I think that's a lot of what causes the backups coming out of South Lake Union. But when you look at how it's performing in the morning, it's performing better than it is in the afternoon. So in the morning, it tends to be more reliable and a more predictable travel time. And I think in the afternoons, one could argue that it's predictably bad, right? But I think the data shows that there's a fair amount of days where it, it works relatively well if there's not a, some sort of incident on the regional highway system. And then once there's a crash on 520 or I-5, even I-90, right, the ability to get into and out of that downtown, I think, struggles or suffers. So let's talk to the average resident of Seattle who may not care about basketball or hockey and isn't concerned about how to get to the arena, but they're more just concerned about 
if there's an arena, how is it going to affect them? Uh, how would you anticipate game day traffic uh, for a weekday 7.30 tip-off at a Soto arena? How would that affect evening commutes? You know, I think uh, what you would see is probably some evening congestion as people are driving into and out of the arena. We would probably have to close Holgate, both to cars but also to pedestrians. I mean, I think... And we just saw this earlier. We had somebody struck by a sound transit, a pedestrian struck by a sound transit train. And so you don't want to put thousands of people walking out of a stadium late at night after they may have had one or two beers, you know, walking across, you know, 400 feet of railroad tracks, right? That's not a situation that we want to create. And that is an act of failure. So we would want to shut that down and kind of funnel people up and down First Avenue to get to the light rail stations. And you would want to, again, also close it off to vehicular traffic as well. So Uh, who's using Holgate right now? So I think Holgate gets used by basically anybody that wants to, you know, get across those tracks, right? So if you're uh, trying to get onto the Spokane Street Viaduct and you're coming in from, and you're somewhere in Soto, right, you're going to want to cross those tracks either at Lander or Holgate so you can get on First Avenue, so you can get up onto the Spokane Street Bridge to get to West Seattle, or, uh, you know, if you're, like, going to the Home Depot. So I do a lot of home improvement, go to the Home Depot a lot. Holgate is one of the streets that I take to get across the tracks. It's either that or Lander. So, or there's folks that are carrying goods within Soto, you know, kind of some of the industrial folks. So it's about, I think, 85% automobile and about 15% truck traffic. How do you anticipate the game day traffic for, again, let's just start with a weekday 7.30 tip-off, but at the Key Arena site? How would that affect evening commutes? You know, I think that's one of the things that we really want to better understand from the proposers on that arena. Uh, One of the things that I think has really changed since 2008 when the Sonics were in town is... uh, My understanding, again, is most most of the fans were coming from... East King County and driving into the games. And I think what we've seen in the intervening 10 years is a dramatic growth in the office population downtown and the number of employees working downtown and particularly working in the South Lake Union area, uh, Denny Triangle area, closer to where a key arena site would be. And you have thousands of new residential units as well. And so the question that I, I think the number one question that I think will dictate kind of what is the impact of transportation is where are the where are the fans going to be living and working and are we going to see a change in the way people use key arena because again my understanding is back in the day it was kind of surrounded by surface parking right and so you'd go to a game and then you'd leave and now i think it's a much more lively environment and there's a lot more places to go grab food or drink before or after a game and and so are people going to be working downtown and then staying late and grabbing dinner and then walking over to the arena to see a game and then driving home or taking the bus home. I think it'll be really uh, tough to, that's, I think that's one of the things that we need to see from the two proposers is where they are projecting folks uh, are going to come from. And then also, you know, one of the things that we have asked for from the proposers is what and how, what is the impact and how do they propose mitigating that impact? so that we can minimize the impact on the transportation system relative to what we see today. 
Any message to the people of Seattle about how you believe a return of the Sonics uh, in an NBA or NHL arena would affect them, whether or not they go to the games? Well, I mean, I think, I think, uh, I mean, a little flippantly, I think it'll make their neighbors happier, even if they're not going to the games. Their neighbors are going to go to the games, so they'll probably be happier neighbors. <laughs> uh, uh, I probably will go to a few hockey games. Uh, but, no, I think it'll have an impact on our, our transportation system. I also think it'll have a positive impact on the city in terms of, you know, creating more, uh, more energy and more activity in whatever neighborhood it goes into, you know, for, for you know, helping support local, uh, local businesses. And so I think it'll, be, it'll have some impact on the transportation system. Our, uh, my job and the department's job is to try to figure out how to minimize that impact. Any concluding thoughts? Uh, no, other than like we have some really rabidly passionate Sonics fans here in Seattle, and I look forward to becoming one. <laughs> okay. Scott, thank you for joining me, and I appreciate your time and perspective here today. Thank you. That is all for today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. Have an opinion to share about the potential locations for an NBA arena? Reach out to me on Twitter, at Prof Shulman. I'm eager to hear your perspective. I've enjoyed seeing many people voice their opinions on the subjects from previous episodes. We are midway through the second season of Seattle Growth Podcast, exploring what a return of the Sonics would mean to you and life in this city. Next week, we will explore how a return of the Sonics would affect the children of our community. You will hear from legendary Sonics player Slick Watts, who describes his efforts to teach basketball to local children that have continued for decades since his playing days here in Seattle. Well, basically, as you look around here, every, every school day to have some kids, give them a place to go, a constructive place to go, and not just teach basketball but once again, teach failure and success. You'll also hear from Colin Davenport, who grew up in Seattle while the Sonics were still here. The Sonics were my introduction to not just pro sports, but sports in general, um, competition, and what it means to work towards a goal. When you're nine, it's really hard to say, well, if you do really good in your homework, you get an A. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, if you, if you do really good in this game, you'll win. You can see that. It's tangible. The episode also includes an academic perspective from Pat Doble, a professor at the University of Washington and writer of the popular sports blog Point of the Game. It's not clear to me that the NBA, as a cultural athletic institution, does a lot of role modeling for young men and women. While the debate continues about what the city should do to facilitate a return of the Sonics, next week's episode gives you a better understanding of how a return would affect your children. I hope you'll join me next week. In the meantime, please subscribe to Seattle Growth Podcast for free on iTunes. And be sure to rate the podcast as well if you have a minute to spare. I love seeing feedback. I'm Jeff Shulman, and I thank you for joining me on this journey in the second season of Seattle Growth Podcast.